Hey everybody, Caleb here. Just want to take a quick minute and say thank you for all of the support you guys have shown this podcast so far. All the five-star ratings on iTunes, um, all of the downloads, all the people sharing on social media, on your Facebooks, on your Twitters. Um, It's just been an overwhelming show of support for the podcast as we've been launching and I cannot thank you guys, the fans, enough for all the support. Without you guys, Nerds About would not be possible. Um, Wanted to give you guys a quick disclaimer at the beginning of this episode. Uh, If you saw last week, you saw an episode with a man named Craig Judd. And this week, you're seeing an episode with a man named Craig Judd. Uh, This week is actually Craig Judd Sr. Last week was his son. Uh, Just so there wasn't any confusion on that. I'm really glad to have Craig on. And hopefully you guys enjoy being nerds about pinstriping with him. Hello. And welcome to Nerds About, a podcast where we take a deep dive on a different subject every week and interview a subject matter expert. My name is Caleb, I'm your host, and this week we're going to be Nerds About Pinstriping with Craig Judd. Craig, thanks for being on, man. Yeah, thank you, Caleb. Of course, man. So, jumping straight into this, what qualifies you as a subject matter expert on pinstriping? Uh, Well, I've been doing this for 50 years, and I've been doing something right, I guess, because I'm still doing it. Um... I've been in numerous magazines, fr- uh, front cover, um, you know, on a, every major magazine there is. Uh-huh. So I've done something right over 50 years, and I've got my own style of striping, so uh, I think that's been a success for me. Yeah, and you've worked on a lot of big projects. You talked about being on these magazine covers, but you've also worked on, um, I know you've worked on a couple different major motion pictures. You've done uh, stuff for television before, having, I believe. Right, Uh Actually, I did the the featured car that was in Hollywood Nights. Uh, it was mm-hmm. a, a forty Ford, and it was just a a fluke thing. I did the car. The car went into uh, Hot Rod Magazine. It was listed one of the top ten uh, cars of the year. Yeah. And when they were making the movie in Hollywood, they seen the car in Hot Rod Magazine, and thought the car would be perfect for the for the movie, and you know. Just luck, getting to do that yeah. car and, and get the recognition to, to do the car. Um, and then I did a, um, a dragster. I don't remember where the dragster was from, but it ended up being in uh, um, American Graffiti 2. Okay. It pulled across the screen. You know, it was just a sh- yeah. little, s- slow shot of the car. But, uh, yeah, I got to do different things, you know, yeah. some, I, and, and some big-time cars. Yeah. Well, you talked about American Graffiti if I'm not mistaken, the original American Graffiti was based off some somewhere near here, and the cars that they were basing it off of were your original works, weren't they? Uh, no. Well, that those cars that that movie was based in Modesto. Uh huh. And the the drive-in there, where everything action happened, there was from Modesto. But there was two. There was a sequel to that movie. Yes. And that was the one that I did the dragster for. It yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It was more like at the seventies in this okay. sequence. Okay, because I I'd met a gentleman at one point who had a car, and he said that you know he was one of the guys who was doing the main drag in Modesto back in the mm-hmm. day, mm-hmm. and then they made American Graffiti. They talked about his, and he said that the original car that he drove, they based the movie off of. You had done his car. Oh, I there's a lot of things I don't know that I did because a lot of people say yeah. well, you did this car, and I can't remember doing it. You know, I've been doing it for fifty years. So how many cars do you think you've done in that time? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. Um, I, I, I've i thought about that. I don't know. I've been doing yeah. so much. I've, and people come up to me and start talking to me, and they know who I am, but I don't know who they are. Yeah. And they, I did their car, and they'll start saying something about the car. Then I kind of remember a little bit about uh-huh. it, you know. But uh, I kind of got a good deal uh, working with these. I did the Blackie G.G.N. show in Fresno one year. 
and um, this guy walked up and he had cameras all over him. I knew he was somebody. Yeah. You know? And I always give people things. You know, I give him a T-shirt or something. And yeah. Uh, it was end up being Mike Chase. He's the photographer, big time photographer, all the hot rods and stuff. Uh-huh. And he was telling me there's a car, there's a truck being built right now. And he said, I think you're the guy that needs to do this truck. Well, uh, he contacted the people that were building the truck. The, the truck was called Vendetta. Okay. It was a $300,000 pickup. And um, people called me that was building a truck and they said, well, we talked to Mike Chase and we, they, he thinks that you're the guy that needs to stripe this truck. Could you send us something? So I made a video of striping and video on Flaming Car. So I sent him yeah. a video and I sent him a panel with my striping on it and different things. And they called me right back. And they said, you're the guy that's going to do this truck. So uh, it was on the front page of, um, I'm not really sure what magazine it was, but it's front page. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got to do some incredible things. You know, they built 10 cars, I think, and I've done all 10 of their cars. Okay. So... You you, know, you talk, start talking about the specific truck and this project, you know, and doing so many projects, you don't really remember them all. But are, are there any particular projects that you do remember that were your favorite projects that stood out? Um, back in the 80s, I caught a, a car one time called the Fantabula. It was a 58 Chevy with a glass bubble top. Okay. And it was like, a, uh, I think Starberg built the car originally. And this guy built it and restored it. And I ended up getting to stripe that car. And that was pretty incredible for the 80s. You know, that yeah. was, and it was at Blackie Jijin's show. And that show's only invitation only, you know. So, okay. And you so know. you start talking about that car and uh, being a bubble top. And right. so pinstriping is already kind of a, you're, you're customizing a vehicle. Right. Right. So what how what kind of cars do you personally like as far as, you know, something stock that you can just uh, add to or? Well, you know, I do a lot of new cars and I do uh-huh. a lot of new pickups. And, um they're always kind of fun to do because they're brand new, you know, yeah. and the older cars, the hot rods are very hard to do because you're, you're trying to pick a line where there's no line. And, you know, you, sometimes you flame them, sometimes you strike them, depending on the customer, what they want. Yeah. You know? But I've got the, the, the older cars are harder to do and you have to understand those. You can't, you can't uh, overdo them or you, you can't, you can't underdo them. They yeah. To, and you have to feel the customer out what he wants. And so you're talking about feeling the customer out. How much of your creative process, you talked a little bit about having your own kind of individual Mm -hmm. style. Mm -hmm. And so as you're bringing the customer in and seeing what they want, seeing what their vision for the car is, Mm -hmm. saying, here's what my skill set is, here's what I do. Mm -hmm. And so how do you you kind of put all that together and and come up with a final idea for a project? Basically, they really trust you because they know your stuff. They know your style. They know what they're going to get, you know. And sometimes they come up with something kind of weird, and I said, you know, I think it would look better if you did it this way, maybe this other color, and then they, they're all for it. Yeah. You know? uh, so anyway, you, you, they, they pretty much put it up to you. Every once in a while you get that one customer, it's got to be exactly, and you don't want to change it because you, know, yeah. you know you're dealing with somebody that's, that's not going to be happy unless it's exactly the way, the way they, they put they it. Want it. But 90% of the time they let me <clears throat> do it. And so when you have that free reign to do stuff, what are some of your, you know, you talked about your style. Mm-hmm. So, well, actually, what is that style more? How do you, what do you kind of, if I walk up and just see, you know, a bunch of pinstriped cars, how would I go, oh, that one Craig did because of the individual I've style? I've had a thousand people tell me they can pick my striping out of any, any place because it's different. And uh, basically, I use a quarter inch stripe, and then I outline both sides of that and mm-hmm. drop down and put a little thin line by it, fade the 
fade the quarter inch stripe into another color. Um, and just really making it look clean. I mean, a classic, you know, and elegant. That's my style. Yeah. You know? uh, and so I've also heard that you still do all of your designs completely by hand. Right. Everything's by hand. And so do you have any sort of like layout that you do on a vehicle or what's the process for if you have to prep the metal first or you just oh, well, grab paint and go? Yeah, you have to make sure there's no wax or anything on that car. You know, you got to clean it. And <clears throat> really my style is I drop a little bit lower than a normal stripe would be on the car and it makes the car look a little bit lower, a little more sportier. Uh-huh. And people don't even know what they're looking at, but they like it, you know. Yeah. So I've kind of got an eye for that. So, um, you know, it's just my style and and actually i got that style from the fresno they call it the fresno style yeah and, and uh everybody talks about the fresno style a lot of people can't do it and they got, we got a lot of young cats coming up right now and i don't know if they really understand it or not but uh like when i got started they was most incredible stripers in fresno probably the best ever yeah and you either had to get good or you got to get out and and i stayed with it met those guys learned from them you know and most of those guys are gone now you know yeah and who were some of those pinstripers uh there was a guy by the name of neil averill that i loved his work um he just passed um about six months ago and oh, yeah he he was uh i was six months older than him yeah he started striping when he was eight years old um and you know he he didn't teach you anything. You just watched him and looked at his style, you know, and, yeah. and what he did. Then we lost Bob Kovac. He was he's he was from Van Nuys and he came to Clovis um, in the '60s or '70s. Got acquainted with him. Didn't didn't uh, copy much of his stuff. I liked Neil's stuff, and I kind of bounced off of two or three different people. You yeah. Know? But uh, I was I was fortunate to be around some of the best. Yeah. And so when you first started 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, how did you, how do you get started to something like that? It seems well, like you just have to instantly be an expert because of what you're trying to do on these people's yeah, cars. And yeah. so, you know, it's so weird. I was uh, in Fresno one time. This was back in the 60s. And I was doing custom paint jobs on motorcycles and stuff. And I was having another guy doing my striping. And he kept telling me, he said, Craig, you can do this. I, you, I can see some of your work. And so, but I was in Fresno at a Clark car lot one time. And it was a beautiful 61 Cadillac with the most prettiest stripe on it I ever seen. It was a quarter inch, Fresno mm -hmm. style. And I looked for the name, and it was Neil Averill. And I knew then that that's what I wanted to do because that I loved that style. Um, yeah. His, his striping was just incredible. I took it to another level. I'm not bragging on myself or anything, but I brought, yeah. it, I brought it to another level. Yeah. Well, I mean, you kind of have to have a little bit of pride in your work. Right. Uh, otherwise, you're not going <clears> to keep doing it. And so, uh, you know, once again, taking pride in your work, you know, there you are part of the Pinstriping Hall of Fame, correct? Right, I am. So, what was that? Was there like a selection process for that? It's the, you know, how well, does that work? You know what? It's it's Mac Brush Pinstriping Hall of Fame. And I I heard I'm not. I think I even seen it on my phone one time. The the top ten, and my one of my panels are in the top ten. Uh huh. Uh, and I was inducted in. Um, I was a seventy seven seventy four, number seventy four that was inducted. And um, it's pretty prestigious because the best of the best is in there. And to be selected and be notarized for that is is a, a really a big thing. Yeah. You know, to, to accomplish that. You know. To accomplish that in all your years of working. Right, right, right. Nice reward. Mm -hmm. So you talked a little bit <clears throat> earlier about um, 
you were doing custom work on motorcycles mm-hmm. before. So do you remember the first motorcycle that you pinstriped? Oh, yeah. I, I still got pictures of it. Um, I found a box the other day of old old pictures, and I had to laugh at some of them, you know. But you got to start uh-huh. somewhere, you know. And I was doing a lot of bikes, and that's basically how I learned how to start striping because it was shorter, smaller stuff. Yeah. And then I got to where I could stripe a car. Most people can stripe panels and motorcycles, but they can't stripe a car. They can't. Yeah. They can't put those two lines together, you know. So, so the reason I ask is, legend has it by my grandfather that that first bike was his old I, AJS. I think it was his. We, me and, me and him talked about that just the other day. Yeah. And uh, I think that was, had to be 68 or 69 maybe. It could have. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I, 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 he always brags about, you know, hey, the first ever bike that, that Craig Judd ever pinstriped mm-hmm. was the, the bike sitting in the garage. I think I think that's true. Yeah. 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 So that's that's definitely a piece of a uh, family history we're very proud to oh, own. Oh yeah, that's that's history. Definitely. So you know, you talked about doing the the bikes and them being shorter lines and then being able to connect them mm-hmm. out onto cars and so as you're looking at, you know, we've talked about old cars as compared to new cars, but like trucks compared to cars compared mm-hmm. to a a rat rod or mm-hmm. a you know, just daily driver how you know depending on how much space you have to work like have you ever you know maybe even doing like a semi truck or something like that how does it vehicle to vehicle how does your approach have to change you know what just being a professional to know that i've walked i've done ten thousand diesel trucks and you think they're hard but they're not hard they're just they're just a bigger canvas yeah um rat rods are different approach you know they got to be done like they would they're they're kind of crude or almost crude looking to, to, to um create that time era that was done back in those days yeah because it wasn't refined it wasn't it was crude and and that's the way you do those cars um like i said the old hot rods and stuff that i that i've been doing they're big time cars and yeah they're hundred thousand dollar cars and you make got to make those look nice you know but everyone I've done has been on the front page of magazines and the customers are happy and and that's the main goal is get that customer happy Uh uh-huh you know, and so, you know, what is your personal? You, you know, you you're clearly a huge part of uh, hot rod culture in general. So, what is what's kind of your favorite thing to see within that? Um, you know, I just love the culture. I love the hot rods. Um, it's very impressive to get a magazine. Here's your work on the front page. Yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to have that, and. I've, I've done so much the excitement's not there so much anymore because i've seen it so much you know but every once in a while there's, there's that certain car that you did that you'll see it at a show and you think oh man i'm glad i put that extra time in that car to, yeah because now it's in a show you know yeah and so so what's kind of your end goal for your projects then is it to see it in the show is it to see it on that magazine you, know, you said a little bit about it's always about making the customer happy mm-hmm. but as you're going into it, is there, you know, you said, you know, I'm kind of have been here for so long, I've seen it, but what is it that brings you the most satisfaction? What is it you want out of a project for yourself personally? You know, I think the customer being satisfied is the, the main thing, you know, but then when they give you free range to do what you want to do, most of, most of those people, they trust you because mm-hmm. they've seen your work. And I've got to, got to be fortunate to do some big time cars, you know. Uh, I did, when I was working for the toy company, <clears throat> I did a, uh, I think it was a 50 Studebaker. It was called the Panic Parrot. Okay. And it was a $350,000 car. So 
they paid me to go to LA to do that car. I was down there for seven days on that car. Yeah. And it was a, a biggest spread I ever seen on a car. It had not one fold out or two fold out. It was a three fold out picture of the car. And it was on the front page. And that was probably one of the biggest cars I ever done. You know. Yeah. And so you're talking about working for a toy company. Was that right? Who? Muscle Machine. Muscle Machine. So is that making are they like making a toy version of your car? Well, they made a model off that Panic Parrot. But um, I was in L.A. And I made videos, and that's what got me out of my shop in 35 years. I never been out of my shop in 35 years. I made these videos, and that goes to show you you got to be at the right t- place at the right time. And uh-huh. uh, I had my booth there with uh, my T-shirts, my videos, and my panels and stuff. And this very distinguished guy walks up, starts buying everything that I've got there, buys everything, and I'm looking at him. I thought, man, who's this guy? Well, he was the CEO of Muscle Machine. So he started talking to me, and he says, you know, I'm the CEO of uh, Muscle Machine. I want you to do some work for me. He said, I like, I like your just a different style, you know. Oh, yeah. So in, I end up doing 12 cars for him. They're 118th scales. Yeah. And then I had to do the, um, 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 what, the, the trading cards. Yeah. I had to do the trading cards for him. I did the original artwork for those. And then through uh, through that, I he'd come up with the idea to do miniature bowling pins. They were called pinheads. Yeah. And, and those are in Walmart. They're still selling them on the internet right now. You can still if you go to Craig Judd, eBay, and put in pinheads, those will pop up. They're still selling those. Yeah. So that was an incredible thing to do for him, you know. And um, then I got the Disney thing through through the same guy. The di- what was the Disney thing? Well, I got to do the hoods that was in uh, the movie Cars. And so what, what was that process? Was it just Disney calling you up and said, hey, we need some hoods? Or? Well, um, the owner of the CEO of the muscle machine, uh, they called him. They wanted to know if anybody could do that. And he said, Craig, I, you're the guy that needs to do this. So I, I went. He lived in Monrovia. And so we went down there, and I looked at the hoods. They were, they were the real hoods. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I looked them over, and we'd come up with a price, and he had all the specs to how to do them, the colors yeah. and everything, because they had to be dead on. You know, yeah. It, one of them had radiator springs on it. But I got to do all three of those, and those were in the movie. I What I did, I just, um, they were already done. I had to duplicate those. And then those originals went to Paris. That's where they're at in Disneyland, yeah. Disneyland in Paris. So when you said they already had them, do you mean they already had like a, a file that said, hey, here's what we want you to make on these actual right. hoods? Right, right. Okay. And they had to be dead on, you know. And they had to paint it, be painted on the inside as well as the outside because they were going to be hanging up. Because they're going to be hanging up, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what was the most challenging part of that of having the, to make that so dead on accurate as compared to just having your you know kind of your creative freedom? Was that? Um, you know, everything was pretty laid out. You know, it just had to be it had to be right. The colors had to be right. Yeah. <clears throat> One of them was yellow metal flake, and they don't make yellow metal flake, so I had to make an illusion. Mm-hmm. make that look like yellow metal flake and i pulled it off you know yeah i, I did it and um there was a, a chevelle hood a cadillac hood and a 49 mark hood <clears throat> mm-hmm. there was three hoods and if you watch the movie when the car goes back to get his tires put on he's going to go back to race and he's going to go into luigi's yeah hood, and then he goes into ramon's body shop getting his paint job well the camera goes back to the back of the shop and there's there's the three hoods that with that idea that you painted yeah and so that was that was one of the biggest shots in my arm to do that. Yeah, it must have been really exciting to to 
get so much exposure to your artwork and yeah, what you've been putting and, here. And really, when he was talking about the movie, I didn't know nothing about it because uh-huh. it wasn't even out yet. I didn't know it was going to be such a big success. You know? Oh, yeah. But it was huge. And so, you know, you're talking about, you, you, we talked a lot about the cars, but you talked a little bit about these pinheads. Right. And doing <laughs> panels and stuff. What are some of the other, you know, non-car related artwork that you tend to do that you tend to enjoy? Do you have a uh, preference in that? I do a lot of panels, like artwork on panels, uh-huh. you know, and I've sold a few of them. I don't like selling them anymore. I, I, I kind of like my original art pieces. I like, I yeah. like to keep them. Um, but I've done a lot of different things. Um, probably the, the weirdest thing I've ever done was a casket. I've done seven in my lifetime. And a pinstriper usually will do one in his lifetime. I've done seven. Okay. That's one of the weirdest things. And I flamed some pants for a rock star one time, and he jumped off the speakers and split his pants wide open. <laughs> <laughs> did that. I've done a lot of crazy toilet seats. You know, did a lot of funny things. So, so what was – I mean, I just can't even imagine the conversation behind, uh, hey, uh, Grandpa was into hot rods. Will you pinstripe his casket? Like, yeah. How does that – well, people, um, they wanted it. You know, they wanted a, a, a tribute to their loved one. They wanted it. I did a yeah. race. Uh, <clears throat> I was doing a, a guy's car. His name was Pete Baraldi, and he was he raced on ESPN. Uh-huh. And he was he was he passed. His brother called me, asked me if I'd do the casket with his number and everything on it. And I said, sure, yeah. I'll do it. So I did the casket all in gold leaf, and um, it was a tribute to him. Uh-huh. I think that was the first one I did, and I, then after that I did like six more, you know, different different caskets. Different caskets, different yeah. people. Mm-hmm. And so, you talked a little bit with your uh, the Disney experience and having to make a uh, yellow gold flake, mm-hmm. metal flake, metal flake. Mm-hmm. So, how much of your own paints are you know? What's kind of the process of the pen striping? Are you doing any? Is it just a, a brush? Is it air stripe? Is it? Well, you know, most of my striping is quarter inch striping. And I even went to a half inch now. And different graphics in it, but you have to mask the whole car up. I do them in candies now. And then I clear coat while it's all masked up. I clear coat it, uh-huh. unmask it, sand the edge down, buff that out. It's it's a big process. And the price is really high yeah. compared to what I did back 25, 30 years ago. But the colors we use now because of that is that they're just so illuminating. They're just beautiful. And you know. so when you do a car, do you do a full, like, hey, paint job and then the detail over it? Do you just do detail on stuff just, or does it depend? Just detail. I used to paint a lot of cars back in the 60s. I'm a journeyman, body man, and painter. But okay. I don't paint cars anymore. It's just You do just the pinstriping and detail work? And, and the graphics, the artwork, yeah. And so how long does it take you to finish a car? Well, if I do one in candies, it, it takes about three or four days. That, that still seems like it's a pretty fast production rate for. Well, when if you see the finished product when it's all done, they're they're they really pop. Yeah, they're, those colors pop. We used to do them all in enamels, and the enamels just they're pretty till you see one done in pearls or candies. The, uh-huh. the, the enamel just basically lays there, but the, the pearls or candies all, tend to, to pop out. They and just, they illuminate. They're really pretty. Yeah, and so. When you're in the shop and you're working, what, what's kind of like what environment? Did you have to have be in a certain mood to be able to get the painting going? Do you just say, "Oh, here's just work and just get it done"? Mm, or some days you fight it, you know, you fight it and you think, "Well, what am I going to do? What color am I going to use?" You know, and um, uh, but you know, basically, it's it all comes down to the basics. You know, what you've done before, and sometimes I try different colors, and and I'm glad I did it because it's something different. Yeah. You know? But you never forget what you've done. 
a few weeks ago or whatever, you know, it, it all comes back. It all comes down to basic, you know. Still the same basic technique. Yes, basic. And so, you know, you still talk about it's always being these basic techniques and your style of flaming, your, your style being your own style and all of mm-hmm. that. But you also talked about doing instructional videos. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when you're doing these videos, what kind of has to be your approach of, hey, going from being this painter to being this teacher and how much of my style am I giving away right. because I want to have my own corner yeah. of the market? And Well, you know, I thought about that a lot. And uh, I used to kind of get offended when somebody copied my work. And I thought, you know, that's a form of flattery, really. Yeah. You know, that, and I thought, you know what? I, this is so cool that people are copying my work because they like it. And I thought, you know, I can be nice to these people. My name lives on. Mm-hmm. If you're mean to these people, you know, you're mad at them because they're copying your work. All they got yeah. is bad things to say about you. So I thought, you know what? I'll I'm gonna encourage these people because my name will live on. Yeah, way. exactly. And so, within car culture, it, what is it? You know, you do your painting, and you see these go out to shows and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but. Do you have any personal projects that you've taken out to shows? Any, uh, or do you go to shows? And what is it that you look for, kind of outside of just, you know, your painting in your shop? Well, I'm always looking at other people's work. You know, I look at other people's work, and you can bounce off that. You can say, "Oh, I like that little thing you guys did right there. I'll do it with another different twist." Uh huh. You know, you never know it all. You know, I don't care how old you get. You, you know, Definitely you're always going to learn, and see a different color combination or. And it's really cool to go to these big shows and people know who you are. You know, they come up to you and they want to know all about you and have, what's the best advice you can give me. And, I mean, there's a lot of young guys coming up um, that are trying to do it, you know. Yeah. But back, Caleb, you got to remember, when I was coming up, there was no videos. There was no computers. There was nothing. You had to pretty much learn that on your own. Now you can go anywhere and uh, shows you how to go leaf, shows you how to stripe. Uh-huh. You know, it, it's it's changed. So you talk about how it's changed and, you know, kind of the access to, you know, what people are doing and how to do it and stuff like that. But for you, you know, is that the biggest thing that's changed or what what else has changed and what else were kind of some of the bigger changes for you in, in so many years of doing this? Well, everybody's got their own style. And I see these young guys coming up doing this different. They're kind of like loops and stuff. I, uh-huh. I don't care for that. I like old school. And I see it kind of going that way but i've told a lot of young guys i said if i put that on my customer's car i'd have to take it off because that's not what i'm about i'm yeah. old school i'm into very intricate old school striping and uh, sometimes i don't think they can do that i think that's why they're doing these little loop things and stuff yeah it kind of covers what they can do yeah. when you say old school striping can you kind of describe that for somebody who's maybe not familiar with it um well old school is a real beautiful design on the hood or the trunk and it's like uh, back and forth, in and out of different pretty designs. And uh, I've seen some that just look terrible. They look like a Christmas tree, uh-huh. you know. But then there's some that are so beautifully done. It's just you, you can't even see where the line stops and starts, you know. Yeah. And so the other thing with you talking about doing all the curlies because, hey, maybe they can't do this and, mm-hmm. you know, you're having to take this off a customer's car. Mm-hmm. You also talked a little bit earlier about, like, hey, keeping the customer happy. And sometimes the customer says, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. And so, has there ever been a time when you've kind of just told the customer, like, hey, I, I won't do that. That's just not my I style. I think there's or... been a couple times where I said, I just can't do it. I have to sign my name to that, and that's not me. 
And I'll talk to them for a while, and basically they look around at my stuff, and they, they say, well, why don't you just do what you want to do then? You know, they, mm-hmm. they pretty much side up with me after that. You know, but I've never really had anybody just say, this is what I want. And, I mean, I try to talk to them about it, you know. But um, most of my customers know what I do, and, that's, yeah. and they just free range. Yeah, at this point you're established enough that it's right. Like, Hey, right. here's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talked about approach being different on these different ve- on these different vehicles, and the you know customer having to do what the customer wants on that. And uh, you know, once again, hey, this is what I do. So this is what I'm you know this is what I'm going to do, and, and kind of get the customer to give you free mm-hmm. reign. But are there specific vehicles that you prefer over others? Well, you know, these new trucks that are coming out, they have all these creases down this where the fender walls come around. There's all creases in there. And I noticed a lot of people, they're going around this stuff and accenting it. You're good. And um, I don't like that. I try to go right through the creases. And they're hard to do to get them straight, but it, but it looks so much nicer if you just keep it clean and simple. And uh, simplicity is beauty. You know, just a nice, pretty color going through those creases. is be- It's beautiful. But I see a lot of people trying to think they have to accent those. And you don't have to accent them, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the new pickups are, are a little harder to do. I remember back in the seventies when we had those step side pickups, Yeah, you had to go inside that, inside that, inside the step. Yeah. And those were hard. You had to strike backwards to get inside that, to do that. But, uh, the new cars are the same way. They have a lot of different creases. So you have to find that right line line to do that. And a little tough, but you can figure it out. Yeah. You know? And so, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about the doing the coffins, doing mm-hmm. the the bowling pins and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You, I, to me, I would think coffins and toilet seats are up there. But what's kind of the weirdest request you've gotten from a client as far as what to pinstripe or um, what they wanted in a design or anything um, like that? I painted a lot of um, like major league NFL different logos and stuff on. Um, I painted it some full-size bowling pins. In fact, I just did one for the car show here, and it's going to be in September. Mm-hmm. It's um, a, a full-size bowling pin done in uh, candies with candy flames, and it's got cherries on it. It says best to show with striping on it. Yeah. And I did one last year for a guy, and he just flipped. He won it. It was the best of the show. That's who, who got the bowling pin. Yeah. And he was telling me that that pickup that won it, he said, I striped that pickup back in the 70s, and he restored it again, and then he won the, the bowling pin. So it was kind of a cool thing. Yeah. But the big bowling pins, they're pieces of art when you do those up. Uh-huh. And um, the toy company found out that he thought, well, little bowling pins, they will take up little space in Walmart. He knew what he was. He was a, yeah. he was a marketing genius. But I did seven. I think there was seven of the small ones that I did. Yeah. yeah. So, Craig, you know, whenever you, uh, you know, we talked a little bit, quite a bit about pinstriping within this, but also just within uh, all these shows and all these different vehicles that you're working on, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like with you, you're, you're the most visual aspect of a vehicle. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel like the rest of the vehicle needs to come together to accent what you're doing with that? Or are you more the accent to what the base of the vehicle is? Well, basically you got the basic lines stay with you know mm-hmm. and you have to follow those lines um i bring a lot of creativity and like at the back or the front and like that vendetta pickup that i did it was a three hundred thousand dollar pickup and i remember going to williams california to do that 
truck and yeah i was looking at it and it had um remember the bottles you threw at the at carnival to knock knock the bottles like down? the milk bottles yes they inside the the engine compartment there was two of them one was the brake fluid one was the um um, brake fluid. I can't remember what the other one was, but they were in a beautiful chrome little basket in there. Yeah. And I told the guy that owned the truck, I said, those got to come out. They got to be striped. He goes, it'll take me all day to get those out. And I said, well, they need to be done. I striped all the engine compartment and everything. Well, when I got back home the next day, they were on my front porch. He took them out and I striped them. And, you know, we had to accent all that stuff. And, yeah. and that truck had uh, 1,500 louvers underneath it. You know what louvers are? They're, they're cut out. They're into metal. They cut out. Oh yeah, they, yeah. They, they were they were little real, vents. Yeah, they were real real popular back in the fifties and sixties. They're making a big comeback. They're, all uh -huh. the hot rods are putting getting them on there. But um, yeah, there's certain things that you have to do, you know, to make that car look right. Yeah. Know? So you know, you also were talking about some of these younger guys who were imitating you and, mm -hmm. and you know accepting that as a form of flattery. Who were some of these younger guys who were coming up who? You know, you kind of appreciate the most. Well, I don't really know them that well. They've they've called me. You know, uh -huh. um, um, there's a there's a few of them in uh, Fresno. I think there's a, a kid named Jake. There's a, a kid named Julio, mm -hmm. and I know there's some more. I know all the stripers in Fresno. Um, the, one of the oldest ones uh, are still striping there. You know, but yeah. there's some young ones coming up, and they're learning. You know, but I like for him to stay with the Fresno style. You know, yeah, keep I, that traditional life. Keep that tradition going, you know. Yeah. My good friend Jimmy Ogawa, he's been striping for probably 30 years, and we talk about it. We talk almost daily, and um, he sees the whole thing changing, the, the, the styles changing, you know, and he says it's kind of a shame that we fought so hard to keep this Fresno style going. But he said we see these young guys going a different way you know and what they're learning is off the internet uh -huh. they don't have a mentor you know i had a, two mentors when i started yeah and so you know in those conversations with jimmy uh what what are kind of the what's kind of that culture between the different pinstripers and you know you talked a little bit about hey you know you appreciate each other's work you learn mm -hmm. against each other but mm -hmm. i mean also imagine you guys being in the same industry together for so long how mm -hmm. would how do those you know, what's the friendship like? What's the rivalry like? Oh, what's the there's no rivalry, rivalry at all. It's, we're just good friends. And, you know, I appreciate his work. He appreciates my work. I got people calling me from all over the United States. Uh -huh. I, got a, I got a good friend in Minnesota, been watching my work for years, and he calls me once a week, you know, and sees my stuff posted somewhere. And uh, yeah, and just for people to recognize your work is just, who would ever think that? Starting starting out in the '60s in the garage painting on your washer and dryer, you know, yeah. When everybody else is playing baseball, you know, who would ever thought, you know, that you'd get this recognition? Yeah, know? and so you, so you talked about there. You kind of mentioned something interesting of starting painting on your washer and dryer. And mm -hmm. so, how did you go from you know painting on your washer and dryer to you said you worked on motorcycles for a little bit mm -hmm. there until, you know, what was kind of the process that led up to the point of? Um, you know, I practiced on the washer and dryer because it was porcelain. You could paint on it wipe it back down and do it again you know uh -huh. um i i got a deal one time uh started painting bikes for a guy in morgan hill he had a salvage yard uh -huh. and i was painting i think i painted like two three bikes a week for him and uh, that's how i kind of got started in the custom part the end of it and then started striping those and then i got where i could stripe a car 
and it just involved. You yeah, know? and it just took off from there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's a, you know, it goes to show you, it's because you live in a small town, you don't have you don't have to have small dreams. You know, you can have you can have big dreams. Yeah, you know? definitely. So That's, yeah. So I always encourage people. You know, do what you want to do. Be be good at it. And I've always been the type of person. Whatever am I going to do, I'm going to be the best at it. Try to be anyway. Yeah. I, I definitely think you've gotten at least top three in pinstriping, and that if not number one with well, the amount of work that i've seen you do out of a small town like chowchilla and the amount of recognition of you know yeah, anybody this, in car culture knows oh yeah the, i appreciate that and that's what people tells me and i i don't see it myself but people know who i am you know and it makes yeah. me feel good and and this town has been so good to me i mean you know they to be in the small town you really get recognition better than the big town oh know? yeah i mean anything happens they put it in the newspaper you know uh-huh. And uh, so it's it's been Chachel's been good to me, and I I give back because I give to every charity there is. I give all my artwork. Yeah, I've I've got into a deal right now where I'm duplicating my artwork into signs and clocks, and I give it to all the charities. Yeah, to, for people. To, you've yeah. probably seen them in auctions. Oh yeah, and they always go for a high price because they it's go a for Craig Judd work. I sign them, and so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Now you talked about <clears throat> seeing a uh, I believe it was a Cadillac that. Oh, right now I already forget the name. It was Neil Averill did. Neil Averill. Mm-hmm. And so you said that you saw that he had signed it. Was that because it was in a magazine, or is there a way that you kind of sign your guys' work? We all sign our work, and it's usually at the on the hood or the trunk. And I didn't know much about striping very much, but I looked at that car, and it was the most beautiful thing I ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I looked around on the hood, and there was his name, Neil Averill. So and, um, Neil was born and raised only eight miles from my shop. Yeah. I, I, and he, he went to Madeira High. And okay. he was like the coolest cat on the planet because he was airbrushing T-shirts and sweatshirts back in the 60s. And, yeah. Um, he was an incredible innovator. You know, he he um, come up with a lot of different styles, and people copied it. And I used to copy his work, and we, we I talked to him about it, and he would laugh about it, you know. That, yeah. That, but then I finally got my own thing going, you know. Kind but of I be- evolved but I, your own style out Yeah, of it. but I bounced off his work. Yeah. He had the prettiest work out there. So you, but you're talking about signing. Are you actually signing your full name on the hood of all of these things, or is there like a specific little sign you guys use and know each other's? Or no, I mean, if you see me sign my name, I could sign it on Pinhead. You know, I can, okay. I, I can do it really small, and you know, you don't want a big name on someone's car. Yeah, you just make it really small, and people that knows about Pinstripe, they'll look for that name. You know. Yeah, and you do that in all your work, or just on the cars? On everything. Everything. All, all my artwork, everything I sign it. Yeah, I've had people come back and I forget to sign the car, and they'll say, "Hey, you forgot to put your name on my car." <laughs> that's all they're. Yeah, they, they want. That's my what name. they want. Is yeah, that, so that that's Craig pre- Judd certification? Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. So you, you've talked quite a bit about these younger guys getting so much stuff off the internet, mm-hmm. and some of them doing really well. Some of them, you know, not going in a direction you like. Mm-hmm. If somebody young going into pinstriping, just now learning how to do it, uh, you know, or anybody who wants to get into pinstriping, what advice would you give them? Well, basically, you know. I mean, I'm I'm a Fresno style guy, and I like to see that continue, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, a lot of them's doing their own thing, and a lot of them are really, really good. You know, they're doing stuff that's, I mean, really good. They're spinning their gold leaf and they're outlining stuff. They're they're putting candy apple over stuff. But I, what I noticed, they're little. They're lacking on their old school striping. They're they're not. Um, it's not that beautiful in and out. 
beautiful stuff. Yeah. I wish I'd have brought some panels I could show them to you, Caleb, and showed you what I was talking yeah. about. I, I'll have to get some pictures from you later and post on our social media. Yeah, so I've got plenty them. of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and there's a, a website. Um, my son Steve posts a lot of my work on. It's called Pinstripers Garage. Okay. And people from all over the world comments on your stuff. You, that goes on there, and it's all over the world. People comments yeah. on it. So it's pretty cool that people know who I am, and they comment on my stuff every, almost every week. You know. Definitely. Well, Craig, thank you for being a living legend on our show. Definitely excited to have you on, man. And uh, for everybody listening at home, thank you for joining us and being nerds about pinstriping. Well, I appreciate it, Kate, for having me. And it's an honor to be here, too. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. It's high praise. Very high praise. I appreciate that. Thank you, buddy.